0: One of the issues, one of the other issues with this film is that we've just spent the last five minutes talking about Colombo. Yeah, Um, agreed. Like, Um, I want, like, let's...
1: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to an Englishman and an Irishman, and an Irishman in England goes to the movies, the pop culture and movie podcast that generally prefers the Ryan Ryan Reynolds version of most things anyway. Joining me this week is the man that thinks he's the Ryan Reynolds version of most things, Sean Ferrick. Oh, no way.
0: That was totally going to be Albert. Yay! <laughs>
1: Wait for it. And the man who actually is the Ryan Reynolds version of most things, Albert Hogan. Oh, thank you. Fair. Oh, gotta, gotta,
2: gotta love Ryan Reynolds.
1: You absolutely do. He's I believe just...
2: it's a law in
0: Canada.
1: Um, it is. Well, he's printed on most of the money. Um, he is their version of Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. In fact, Chuck Norris wears Ryan Reynolds' pyjamas to bed. Hey. Wee. Yes, Albert looking very chiseled today. <laughs> Not that anybody can see, so I could be lying, but you are.
2: <laughs> Why, thank you.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, we are going to cover off the Amityville Horror this week in our kind of continuing mini-series on classic horror. But first, a segment we haven't done in about a year. <laughs> the News! Q news intro. Beep, beep,
0: beep, beep. Was it, that a good beep. BBC?
1: Yeah. it, did it, Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of news. So, I think we're going to be quite Star Trek heavy, um, because awesome things happened in the Star Trek world. Uh, The internet exploded with the finale of Lower Decks, which was bloody amazing, wasn't it? What did you think of it, chaps? Or is that a stupid question? Well, first of all, spoilers ahead, because we're a bit naughty, and probably none of us should have seen it, but most of our listeners are in America anyway, so screw you, England.
2: (laughs) Um, I thought it was bloody amazing. Um, so much to take in. I had to watch it like three times in a row just to get everything. Um,
0: There's a lot in it, yeah. yeah. And
2: that ending, that that those two cameos just blew me away.
1: So 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 good. They packed so much into this episode. Like most of the series has had. Um, nods and stuff packed in. Um, but this, even for 22 minutes, was so, so fast-paced. Um, when you see like the three massive ships turn up, and you're like, ooh, who's that going to be? Could they be doing a Borg finale, and these are some weird Borg? Nope, it's the fucking Paclids. <laughs> my absolute, one of my favourite, favourite villains, in heavily inverted commas, from, from TNG. I think they're just brilliant. I quote them so much whenever like something isn't working in the house i'll be like i'll go to my partner and be like i like things that make it go <laughs> it's, it's the, <laughs> is, is the kettle not working i need things to make it go i like tea <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just
0: honesty in its simplest form
1: it is it really is um uh, they're, just, they're just so harmless and yet they cause so much havoc um yeah, I like, and they keep mistaking the Cerritos for the Enterprise, don't they? Because it's just
0: oh no, got, it's a the Enterprise. <laughs> it's got the
1: same saucer <laughs> section. It's awesome. Yeah, the episode was brilliant. It was it was really 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 good. Um, I don't think they try to do too much. I half expected Q to be the final bad guy and leave it on a cliffhanger, but mm. they they have rounded it out quite nicely. Um, and just uh, the Titan. <laughs>
0: yes, Titan. <laughs> Oh, it's canon. It was, it's canon, and it was it was lovely because it would have been very easy to do the Enterprise. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And, okay, Discovery did it and nailed it. I like the way they did their season one finale Enterprise. But, I don't know, I feel fanboying as we would have done anyway if we saw the Enterprise-E warping in there. This yes. was a nice surprise.
1: It was a genuine... Well, so, no, I knew it was going to happen because they mentioned that the Titan is the only other closest ship um, so I was like, oh well there's your finale, cool it was, that did not take away from it at all, it was still mm. incredibly satisfying and it was the first proper real TNG space battle that we've had on screen and it, it, it that's what it reminded me of, it, oh man, just oh, just gorgeous all of the external shots of Titan were just incredible Yeah, and it sounds like we're so, going to get more yeah. of
2: it as well in season 2 Um, yep he's more writer coming so oh i love it Mm. it's brilliant
1: i i love how on board the original cast are with the 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 new iterations of star trek i absolutely love it it's awesome it was phenomenal i love the, the 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 guy that created or designed titan just went crazy on twitter and it is exactly how i would react if one of the, like, starships that I doodled when I was, like, 11 ended up being on screen. That would be, yeah, it's the dream come true, isn't it?
0: Yeah. definitely.
1: Um, and in, in, in other totally unrelated news, um, Janeway is going to be the captain in Star Trek Prodigy. Um, Yay! How good is that? I mean, it, perfect voice for it. Like, you, you mm. know her voice a mile away, don't you?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, Kate McGrew is just, she's got, she's got such presence. I was going to say, she's got such screen presence. Obviously, it's an animated series, so um, she'll have such voice presence.
1: Vocal presence, that's
2: yeah. a thing. It's, it's, that, yeah, okay. yeah, well. it's that gravelly tone, isn't it? She's just got... Ew. She can yeah. command a starship just with her voice. I love
0: that. <sighs> um, it's. It, it. I'm really interested to see what the show is because I was, I was chatting to uh, one of my mates who's been saying since the return of Picard, it's like, bring back Janeway, bring back Janeway, bring back Janeway. And he was just like, I'm not disappointed that she's coming back in a kids show. I'm just really intrigued to see what they're going to do with the character. And with the, you know, how, how does it stay, um, welcome or Not welcoming, but how does it stay suitable for, she said kids ages five to 15, you know, what are we going to get? get
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, that age group probably won't appreciate who that is either. Um, I mean, to actually know. To be fair, I would have done at, at that age, um, but it's. <clears throat> it, I would have been disappointed. I think if the the Riker appearing in Picard and Lower Decks thing hadn't been a thing. So you know that they're not shoehorned into that series. That she could very well appear in Picard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because she's ended up in an animated show, it doesn't. I don't think it. it stops the other from happening
0: well that's true Um, i mean i think there's now um it's part of the contract when you're making a new star trek series that okay so we've got to have this 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 and freaks so maybe if they can get (laughs) some sort of deal with mulgrew as well that would be stunning
1: yeah that man is making his money either from directing producing or acting he is absolutely going to the bank for star trek and good for him
0: Done more star trek than roddenberry ever
1: did absolutely how are you feeling about it, Albert? You excited for it, or is it just kind of going to go under your radar? Uh,
2: no, I'm. I'm really excited about it. I loved the way that Kate Mulgrew talked about, you know, how she was drawn in um, by the writing and the reason for her to be part of the show, um, and the way she talks about being the the children's captain. I just love that concept as well. So, so I, you know, even though I'm not a child, I will be watching. Because, you know, James is in it and it's Star Trek. So you put Star Trek in front of anything and
1: I'll watch it. Yeah, well, watch it, read it, eat it, consume it. Yeah, exactly. won't happen. Um, so the final, let's have, we should have done the shit sandwich thing of good, bad and good. But we've gone good, good and bad. So cinemas for probably, well, almost definitely the right reasons are basically closing down. Uh, the knock-on effect that a lot of films that were starting their marketing farrar um have kind of been put onto the back burner so the, the first casualty was james bond no time to die that's been put back a year again um dune is the other one that is crushing so we have to wait another year for that and batman um batman Beginnings um mm-hmm. will be put back a year as well um so uh Albert, from a marketing point of view, because obviously you've been on this marketing journey, how frustrated would you have been you start gearing up the marketing and doing all of that stuff for it to get switched off again and then switched back on? Does it have an effect on the film? Um, Or I guess morale at the very least?
2: It definitely would have an effect on morale. And I mean, especially, you know, for such tempo releases as well, which would have, you know, been the main focus of the studio for that year. Um... You know, there'll be some kind of technical challenges around moving marketing investment around. So things like TV and, you know, if you've bought kind of bus signs and things like that, then how you move those without kind of facing penalties can be quite challenging. Um, But they've obviously moved Bond. This is the second time they've moved it. So they obviously have had a dress rehearsal on that. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know it'll be more things like you know promotional partnerships and third parties that they're working with and how they manage all those kind of conversations as well. Um, so it would definitely, you know, I would not like to be in their shoes right now trying to move campaigns at this point. The only good thing is all your assets are done and ready, so kind of when it does come time to turn it on again, at least your you know your kind of creative assets are in place. So so yeah, so it's it's not ideal, but um as i say it's sort of unprecedented times, so i'm sure they'll uh manage as best they can but i you know i know there's a lot of people in the industry worried about their jobs right now um which is the sad part of it and you know you've obviously seen the news about Cineworld world and Odeon. um so you know you hope that um the film industry won't uh be affected too greatly by this and yes we've got a backlog of films that have to come out but it's you know what comes after those and you know that, that, that's the bit that's slightly more concerning I think
0: that was the it thing really I was is. only uh, sorry that was the thing I was just thinking there over the weekend is that um, eventually hopefully we obviously won't go on for as long as this but eventually we kind of run out of the big releases and then mm-hmm. you know what happens at any normal year sure there's always so many things in production that you never run out of the big releases but with the stopping and starting you know are we potentially looking at something in the next couple of years where, well, we don't have anything. You know what I mean? Obviously yeah. there's TV shows, you know, that you know, back out the wazoo. So it's just really the film industry I'm, I'm speaking about more than anything else here. Yeah. I think
2: those kind of big tempo releases are definitely at risk beyond, you know, what, what should have shot in 2020. We'd probably, depending on, on the genre and the, the studio would probably be releasing mid to end of 21 or into 22 Um, So there'll definitely be a gap, but you just hope that, you know, through some creative scheduling, um, you know, a lot of of studios are moving films back almost a full year, um, which in itself says something as well. Um, So, you know, you'd hope that the first half of 21 would be fairly well locked in with films that would have completed production. Um, So, you know, hopefully through some kind of creative scheduling, as I say, that should even out. Um, but there'll definitely be a, a, you know, period where there's there's less kind of big tentpole movies coming out actually, at least. But maybe it's a good moment for independent cinema and for some more kind of creative filmmaking to to get its moment in the in the spotlight.
1: That's definitely the optimistic way of looking at it. I'd be worried that I mean, if the big companies are worried in inverted commas, how do little independent filmmakers? survive this um, cinema will survive um, it, it will go on because even if every cinema went out of business there is such a demand for cinemas that Cineworld Extra will just open and it might be on a smaller scale and you have to mm. travel a bit further but it will recover but how long is it going to take um, and it's It's one of those things that it's suffered because it's not essential in inverted commas but it is essential it's just not as essential as staying alive and staying safe but it is man we would bore ourselves to death if we didn't have this creative outlet wouldn't we um yeah i mean we need
2: escapism more than ever right now Um, we need it absolutely the challenge with film you know we used to talk about this all the time we're in the industries it's about creating habits so you want people to go to the cinema have a good time and then for that to kind of be high on their agenda for their next night out um Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, people have got used to sitting at home now, watching Netflix, and because the likes of Disney releasing all the big films through their own platforms, that's changing the sort of pattern a bit, and therefore the kind of traditional cinema windowing um, is at risk. So, you know, most films will, at least in the UK, be in the cinema for kind of a maximum of 13 weeks before they move to paid windows. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how that, is affected by all this you know and obviously a lot of the big cinema chains were already kind of um quite put out by the fact that you know the likes of disney have put mulan straight to their own platform and things like that so you know it's definitely going to have a long-term effect on the industry um but you know as you say i hope you know it kind of recovers in in a way that feels um you know like as 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 good and promising an industry as it was pre pre pre-pandemic so yeah So interesting times.
1: Indeed, and that's an interesting segue into what I was going to say, is at what point do they just pull the trigger and say, right, we're going to release it all digitally. Um, Cinemas aren't coming back anytime soon. Let's create some kind of payment structure. I don't think charging £23 per watch or per viewing or for the film is the right way to do it, but... Do we have a subscription cinema service, and could that be led by Cineworld, who does like a "Here's your twenty pound a month unlimited card, but mm. we will stream it directly into your living room"? Um, yeah, if this is going on for years, they need to look at doing something like that.
2: The problem with, the problem with cinema going though is you make all your money off concessions and not off it's the film tickets. Sweeties
1: and popcorn. Sweeties, yeah, popcorn, and, and advertising. Absolutely.
2: That's it. So that's the challenge yep. for them ultimately.
1: That's true
0: it could be the death of the cinema chain um but i think ian your idea is something that's been bandied around a, a fair bit because obviously how do we adapt and potentially just to keep money moving through the studios to keep filmmaking happening that might be something that they can that they can look at because i mean in this universe where we still use money because we're crazy and stupid <laughs> and money is real um they need to have some sort of revenue they need to have some sort of income and if it's not coming from the you know what they charge the cinemas to host their films it has to come from something else um and i know we've been dealing with privacy as long as there's been the internet privacy piracy well same thing really um since there's been the internet so that obviously they're not going to fix that anytime soon
1: oh you're going to make it even harder if you channel it straight into somebody's home as
0: well yeah because You know screen recording or something you know but um i don't know this is this is the time for cybersecurity experts to be living the dream really (laughs) you know they could work with the uh, film industry and um a new (laughs) a new era of you know dominating what goes on in your screens love it
1: Yeah, so interesting, interesting times. So let's move on to something that isn't at all interesting. Um, The film we're going to cover this week is the Amityville Horror, (laughs) which was inappropriately titled. It should have been the Amityville...
0: Snorer? Maybe? Snoresville.
1: Yeah. Oh. Awesome.
0: Uh.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what you have to say about this film. So, right. The Amityville Horror is the story of the Lutz family. Um... And the um, first family home that they move into, however, it has a dark secret that the previous year, the previous owner um, murdered brutally all of his family inside said house. Um, Demons live inside the basement and it tries to be the exorcist. End scene.
0: Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Um, It's you know, to obviously, we, we hadn't seen this film. We'd seen versions and we'd read stories and everything, but we hadn't actually seen this film when we sat down this evening to, to watch it. And I mean, it's inspired so many cheap knockoffs, expensive knockoffs, uh, Simpsons Halloween segments. Um, and, you know, there's all the ingredients are there for a good, scary, spooky story, and they just don't come together.
1: No, it's it's in nineteen seventy nine, and uh, you've described it before we started. As it's pretty much the original haunted house story, isn't it? Um, mm. I remember growing up that there was stories about the Amityville film and how terrifying it was and horrifying. And I didn't watch it until today, um, but I was really expecting Texas Chainsaw Massacre levels of scariness, um, especially with the Ryan Reynolds version. Is it's good. But it's a different type of film. I don't even yeah. know if I'd call it horror. It's like it's a thriller that goes a bit off the deep end. Thriller slasher, fun. nearly. It's a thriller slasher, yeah. But it's really enjoyable. So I was expecting something quite
0: extreme from this, and that did not happen. No, not not at all, Al- Albert. What did you know? What did you? F- feel watching this because you're the you're, you're our guinea pig for this <laughs> month when it comes to horror and you know you've come from the exorcist to the texas chainsaw massacre to the amityville horror so i agree it felt like um a film
2: you know where the filmmakers looked at the formula of success for the exorcist and might we'll have a bit of that and a sprinting of this and a touch of that um and you know trying to to make it work, from my perspective, I was genuinely bored for about the first hour and yep. forty minutes. Um, you know, <laughs> I, it was it, it was interesting. So we were watching this film together, and you know we could see each other on Zoom as we we're watching the film. And you know, I think we were all fidgeting or you know like reaching for our phones at times because the pacing is just so slow. I mean, you could cut out half the film and it would still feel yep. like a, it was a long film. Um, so this is by far the weakest of the films that I have watched with you guys, and I wasn't scared at all, at all, at all.
1: No, there was just the one jump scare, which was the stupid cat in the window, so what frustrates me about jump scares is when they have fuck all to do with the film, or anything. Now, I may have missed some very clever subtext about how cats are the spawn of Satan, but He's just in his rocking chair and there's a screech which turns up before the cat turns up to deliberately make you jump and that's it. And then it fucks off and never to be seen again. It's a jump scare for the sake of a jump
0: scare. Isn't
2: it actually this a is... pig and not a cat? Oh, Wait, no, the pig what?
0: was later. The pig is Jodie. Um, yeah. yeah. So George comes back from, I think it's after he slaps his uh, co- uh, colleague and comes back to the house and he looks up at the window and he sees your dead right? This oh, pig right, in the window. Yeah. Uh, the
1: projected pig on a green screen that yeah. looked oh. absolutely ridiculous like something you'd see at Alton Towers like absolutely ridiculous
2: yeah it's just because like, i mean we've talked before in other episodes about like how films are of their time um and how you know you'd want to see this film in the cinema at the time it was released but i mean i know this well, was a, I, I know this was a huge success but i'm sort of wondering why whether it was just hype that carried it through
0: it, I think hype. I think hype. <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
2: So it's that true story
1: thing that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did as well. So, which is, I think, we'll spend more time talking about the background of the film. Um, now, I'm relying quite heavily on Wikipedia, so don't shoot me if this is wrong. But it is interesting how this went from apparent event that happened to book to film within three years. Now, that's something I would expect in the 21st century. It's not something I expect back in the 70s. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr. apparently shot and killed all of his family in 1974. The book was written um, in 77, and then the film was released in 79. Like, Mm. that is... I mean that has gotta be marketing, hasn't it? There's no way. It's just oh, I just stumbled across this story and then oh, I just stumbled across this book based on that story. Let's make it into a film. That it sounds premeditated, and, doesn't it? And again,
2: it's very similar to The Exorcist, it's like loosely based on true story, it's based on a book, you know, there's demonic possession in it, the church features yeah. heavily in both. It just felt like sort of a poor imitation to me. Um really poor. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there isn't a lot of. This isn't a clever film, I don't think at all. You know, it's.
1: Um, oh, thank goodness! I'm so glad you said that. Like, I was, I felt stupid watching it because I was like, there must be something I'm missing. Like, there will be some cool subtext that that Albert and maybe Sean will pick
2: up on, but I will, I've totally missed it. I, I, I'm glad I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I correct myself slightly. I think the the most clever part of the film is actually the score um and uh, i agree i Absolutely. think that is you know we'll talk a bit more about that in a bit but that that for me stood out yeah. but i think you know that the the blatant use of blatant use of catholic symbolism the whole way through um uh, you know if i saw another statue of the virgin mary or another crucifix or you know a nun or a priest <laughs> whereas in the exorcist it felt um they were there as well, but they were subverted and they were twisted in a way that you just didn't expect. Um, whereas in this, it was like, okay, we're now going to have a shot of a statue of the Virgin Mary in the corner of a bedroom because, you know, who has that? Um, Why Wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so it felt forced. Um, and it was like, you know, even making um, the main character. This is how, this is how <laughs> uninterested I was. I can't remember their names. Um, but Margot Margo Kidder's <laughs> character, like she was clearly a devout Catholic and you, know, you see her praying and all that. Whereas the strength of the exorcist is you have, you know, um, someone who is not Catholic or at least is a lapsed Catholic and therefore it's much more disconcerting. Um, whereas in this, it just felt like, oh yeah, it's, it is Satan, but it's also possibly Native American burial ground. It just... It was all models and it didn't make a lot of sense.
1: Well, when they're getting to the the crux of the explanation that there's a demon house and it's his work colleague's wife, somehow she's reading up on the history and she's like, yeah, it's all here, and then just goes to the psychic handbook playbook and just (laughs) reads a bunch of things. It's like, but haunting and burials and death and aubergines and... (laughs) like. Explanation and and, and if you roll
0: a six, then you'll get a warlock as well. No, it's just like,
1: What? 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 Oh, it's it is frustrating because it kind of revels in not explaining anything, but it doesn't give you anything to latch on to. And it is almost like they saw the exorcist and thought, Oh, that was really, really good. Can we do that? But it is so disjointed. Um, they kind of touch on the in order for George Lutz to marry her, he's had to change his religion. Um, it's, it's one throwaway line. One throwaway line. Give yeah. me some more of that. That's interesting because maybe that ties into your demon.
2: And another throwaway line was that was the priest going, "You know, I'm a trained psychotherapist," and then it was never mentioned again. It was like never oh, okay. mentioned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's oh,
1: nice. the church not liking that he was he had a secular education. Like that was quite interesting. I was like, okay, there's. There's some like kind of prejudice and bigotry here because you've had some fancy out of church learnings and you weren't raised by the church, um, and now you think you've got a right to say what's going on. Um, and when he's chanting in the church, I'm just half expecting him to say the power of Christ compels you, yep. and he says everything other than that. It is such a ripoff. It,
0: it, it has to be, doesn't the strength it? Strength of Jesus. He literally was impales the strength of Jesus,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, And then he's blind, and I don't. So, right, sorry. Quick note: What is the reach of this house? Because it seems fucking far. So they're driving to the house miles away, and they he the house makes the car steer off into the distance. The, the priest is miles away in his church and the statue falls on his face and makes him blind, apparently. What's the limit of the house's powers?
0: Um, Apparently, depending on the person, uh, George Lutz steps outside the house at the end and everything's fine. Cool. <sighs> so, <laughs> what? What? So it-
1: there's no rules is and I don't want a strict rule book I mean I do but I understand they're not going to but give me give me something like at least when he was on the phone and his hand got burnt there was a connection you know at least you're on the phone line it's hooked up to the fibre optics so I get it it's fine but just when it's oh man this film annoyed me
0: (laughs) It was, um, I think last week I spoke about how there wasn't a lot of subtlety in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I would argue Texas Chainsaw is much more subtle in the messages it's putting across than this is. This thinks it's subtle. This thinks it's got a deeper message. And instead what it is, is it's just... Okay, it's 1979. So when I say the latest, take it with a pinch of salt there. But it's just the latest boo scare film that is going to try and start a trend. But
1: yeah, and it it doesn't do that very well. It doesn't yeah. have an, so I actually thought the first kind of half an hour of the film was quite well paced. There was enough. It was kind of a bit of character development, getting used to the family, move into the house. I thought when they're looking around the house and it does the flashes of the murder in each room. That was very really actual. Cool? Yeah. Well, that was really, really well done because it gives you an idea of the geography of the house which helps you later on in the film kind of know where stuff was happening. But once they're kind of moved in and it goes to day one, it dies. It, it amps. The film just dies. And then you've got 18 days which occur in real time um, of the film just like not doing anything.
0: Yeah. Oh God, it, it does. I mean, there's also that, on, it, I, I just like
2: that. I agree that the first half hour is at least piques your interest. Um, but again, there's just some really blatant stuff like, you know, let's open with the house that clearly looks like a face uh, yeah, and, you know, yeah. has Halloween filters over it and, you know, it looks like you know, when the gunshots are going... Actually, I thought that shot was quite cool. The gunshots going off and almost like lighting up the eyes of the face. Um, but yeah. then it was just, they came back to it so often it was like, yeah, we get it. It's this the houses.
1: It's like they they purchased a red filter and thought yes! And now we're going to use it every single yeah. shot.
2: And It's not like, you know, let's give you a different angle or anything. It's like, no, always the same angle, front on to the house. Um, yeah. If you it. didn't get it, the windows arise.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, got it. Yeah, And that's, that image you know, to say something positive, I guess, that image is iconic. I mean, it, it we is, all yeah. recognise the Amityville house you know um and that's fine but do something more with it you
1: could have done so much with it and i'm still not clear on is it's a demon isn't it that lives in the basement that is made out of apparently argus from um the next generation i, I don't know it's just black ooze generic black ooze that isn't explained at all <laughs> yep <laughs> It's, who's haunting this who's haunting the place? And why why does your man that murdered everybody last year look the same as George this year? Like that's not explained either. Does it take on the body of the person and shape that there's no reason for that. Fine, do it, but give me a reason for it. What did well, you like about the film, guys? The music <laughs> Okay, the score. So the score is good and it, it did get nominated for best original nice. score, um, to its credit, which I think it absolutely deserves. Now when we watched the opening credits, I saw your guy your eyes kind of light up. Did you recognise I'm um, a bit of a ignorant knob, so did you recognise the, the composer?
2: Um no, I didn't, but I was I was kind of lighted up because of the actual theme music itself and I <laughs> if if your listeners could could have seen me as we were doing that, I was like trying to figure out the time signatures because we've talked in every episode about you know kind of irregular time signatures. This is an interesting example of where it's actually a regular time signature, um, but that in itself is quite clever. So um, it's uh, it, it's almost like a lullaby, isn't it? And there's children singing it. It is, it, and it feels quite quite innocent, naive. Um, But then the strings that that go with it are kind of slightly throwing you off. So there's the odd like wrong note or a kind of a a dissonance or a clash. Um, And then what I loved is the way that was brought through the film. So, um, you know, as the film starts, you're seeing the family kind of get to to grips with their their life in their new house. You know, you get that kind of choral motif back again with the children. And then, as things start to become more ominous, the strings become like quite screechy and sharp, and there's this kind of two-note repeating um, motif thing that's quite interesting. So I thought it was quite cleverly done, and it was clear that you know the composer had spent time crafting it that way.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry i'm sorry you spent so much time crafting this score sort of <laughs> <shit film. laughs>
2: yeah exactly but then it was also interesting that the non-score music that came in as well so um you know it's it's hinted that um i've forgotten her name margaret Kidder's character again um I've kathy, kathy thank yeah, you Catherine. Kathy, kathy, yeah. um she's a dancer Catherine. it's hinted that kathy's a dancer mm-hmm. so you get a little bit of classical music There's kind of this great piece of harpsichord music which gives it like a slight gothic feel. Um, So I thought that was quite clever and layered. Um, At at any time, you know, you were kind of on the religious side of the priest, it was very quiet. So it was much more about the dialogue there. So, you know, I thought it it was the best aspect of the film for me. Um, Yeah, pretty low bar, isn't it? But, you know, a (laughs) score can make a film... But kind of elevate, yeah, can elevate film. I don't think he can make film, and certainly didn't make it in this instance. Um, no, it yeah. does show
1: that a great score cannot make up for a boring film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: The uh, the composer, I I did recognise his name, but funny enough, because this guy's had a bit of bad luck because he <laughs> was, he wrote the rejected score for The Exorcist.
1: Oh no, that brilliant!
0: Yeah, um, and that is that is creepy as. Balls. that's on uh, I've listened to it on YouTube uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly but I think it's Lalo Schifrin. yeah um, phonetically
1: that sounds correct
0: cool <laughs> that works for me I sound smart uh, but yeah so as, as soon as I saw the name but um, it's actually the only two things I know his name attached to now I think I right. think he might wrote, I think he
2: might wrote the score or the theme music for Mission Impossible the original TV show I have
0: it in my oh. head I could actually, be wrong. You are exactly right. That is exactly that what he's sense. done. Yes.
2: Yeah. There you go. And I only know so, that because I rewatched the Mission Impossible films recently. So. <laughs> so nice.
1: That's interesting. Um, Lalo Schifrin. So, did he do the score for the
0: TV show? Did you say then? the tv show he wrote that theme the mission impossible theme
1: oh right got it because a lot of the incidental music they use the same production company or the same i don't know what you call the music company as the original series did so there's some some bits of score that are lifted directly into some tos episodes as well or vice versa i think i did Um, hear that actually now that you say that yeah there's there's a lot of overlap. Well, I mean that is immediately the most interesting thing that we found about this film. I mean, I have <laughs> I have one
2: other interesting thing. James Brolin, who who's the main actor in it, is Barbara Streisand's husband. There you go. That's the other thing I knew about him.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. That checks out. And anyone
0: connected um, to Barbara is good in my book. So that's all right. Lo- love it. living the stereotype. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, I have a good. I have another good thing. <laughs>
1: I have another good thing—the crazy man makeup. So I actually think the, the makeup on uh, James Brolin himself was really, really good. I think it was actually very mm-hmm. subtle. I was expecting it to get a bit more crazy as the film went on, but it it does kind of show his descent into
0: madness pretty well without kind of being over the top. What I think would be a good companion comparison film to this would be The Shining. Which is another, obviously, yes. haunted house story. And you have the patriarch descending into madness. Where I think Amityville succeeds in that is that he's not whack job crazy from the moment we meet him. Like there is, you see, as you, as you say, Ian, you see a descent. You know, he does, he gets worse. Now, I would say he gets bad quickly and stays bad. Uh, day two. yeah. Whereas uh, one of the great criticisms of Kubrick's Shining is that I'm not getting in the car with Jack Nicholson to begin with, let alone go (laughs) to a hotel with him. Yeah, that's not happening.
1: He's batshit from the off. He absolutely Um, is. And if I remember rightly, in the Ryan Reynolds version, he takes a little bit longer to go bonkers but he stays bonkers doesn't he he
0: he does but i think what they do which i think is a good move and i kind of thought we would see it in this as well is that there's um there's a scene in the ryan reynolds one where it's it's nearly as soon as you're out of the house you're okay like it is the house that's the problem because they go for dinner and he's fine. They're having church. a nice evening. and But then he comes back and it's literally as he steps over the threshold of the house, it starts to affect him again. And I really like that about yes. that film. Whereas this one, you you said it best. What is the sphere of influence here? And does it depend on what your vocation is? Does it depend on, you know, the the first time we meet Father Delaney, he's coming in to bless the house. Ergo, he puts a big target on his chest and the demons go, No no, no, no. I'm fucking with you going yeah, forward.
1: Absolutely. You are not getting out of this. Yeah. But the re- the real hero the real hero of this movie for me is the dog. Is the dog. It really is. <laughs> Best actor as well. Yes.
0: You, am I right too? <laughs> dog saves the day at the end. <laughs>
2: yeah. Literally, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely. Dog finds um, finds where the evil spirits live. Dog rescues his um owner from a big pot of black goo. So yeah. Yep. he wins. He absolutely does.
1: Um, oh, we're forgetting about the other unsung hero, um, Columbo Cop, who appears in every horror film so far. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember this guy's name, but he is—he is, he is literally—he's a ripoff of the Exorcist cop. So now there's just one thing I don't understand, and it's Columbo. That's one me. more thing. Just one more thing. I'm just a—I'm—I've a, got a curious mind. Mrs. Columbo would never let me hear the end of
0: it wasn't mrs columbo kate Mulgrew? <laughs> no wasn't there a female columbo series and who was or am i thinking of something completely different You're, she's she's way too young way um, way
1: way 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 too young
0: while while that is rapidly uh googled um there there is uh, there's some sort of connection i think i think i might i think she appears
1: in an episode of columbo but i'm not she's, she... she's oh, definitely yes. she's definitely in murder she wrote so i know that much as a guest yeah. star. Who wasn't. Yeah. That's that's America's version she, of Midsummer in murders.
2: 1979 to 1980 she played Kate Columbo in Mrs. Columbo a spin-off of the detective series Columbo.
1: Get the fuck out of town. Well done for pulling that out of your ass. That Thank was incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you so very this much. is young Mrs. This isn't a young Columbo TV show. This is a young Mrs. Columbo TV show.
0: <laughs> Cuz basically, yeah.
1: Um, wow I had a conspiracy theory that he wasn't married and he just used Mrs. Columbo as a plot device of uh, she's just what she's always doing is she's always she gets her umbrella and she shakes it and then she leaves it to one side and then that's how he solves the murder.
0: I think yeah. What what one one of the issues? one are the other issues with this film? Is that we've just spent the last five minutes talking about Colombo? Yeah, um,
1: agreed. Like um. I want.
0: Like let's. <laughs> all right. Task to us all now. Let's let's pick out a few positives because there is positives in the film. We've addressed the fact that it's far too long, and I think if you chucked out forty minutes of this, there is there's the ingredients for a solid film here. So um, let's see things things we looked. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're getting zero help from me and Albert, just, yeah, oh, gone. I, I, I like the fact that the ghosts are petty thieves as well. They, yeah, you know, what are they going to do with yeah. that money?
1: What happened to the fifteen hundred dollars? That's never. It's just gone, never yeah. to be mentioned again. See, that
2: would have been a much more interesting ending. Is if they left the house and that caterer was waiting for them at the end of the drive and killed them all because he didn't get his fifteen hundred in cash. That would
1: be incredible. It would. I mean, the entire subplot of him being strapped for cash and um, his business going under is far more interesting than anything that happens in the house. I was was, hoping that the descent into madness was actually a cover-up for his failing business.
0: (laughs) Or maybe there could have been, like... And again, I think the Ryan Reynolds one does this, is that the reason he's like, we have to stay is because all of their money they have no money like they they have a house now. you know they have yeah, a he's a writer
1: isn't he surveyor uh, no, he's am I thinking of a different surveyor film? contractor no 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 um, sorry Ryan Reynolds is a writer I think no no I think, no? I think they're both yeah because they both have film. pretty much
0: the same van the van oh, is kind of reused in and it looks contracting sinister or...
1: Sorry. oh that's what it is yeah he's a writer sinister, yeah. in sinister <laughs> I mean let's just talk about sinister <laughs> yeah. no it's not it's not horrific and I wanted to after watching like The Exorcist and Well isn't that the um, problem? Yeah, and that is the problem, is that I was so ready for some good seventies originality. Um and it just it somehow managed to be cliche within only three years of The Exorcist coming out. Um the slamming doors didn't do it for me. The flies were creepy, but mm. eh, They didn't I, do anything.
0: I think though once you've seen Scary Movie 2. It's very difficult to take that scene seriously. Yeah,
1: that's fair. That's fair.
0: Um and which is to say, hey, look, that is not Amityville Horror's fault that, you know, that was made a few years before scary movie too. Um Indeed. but um the bleeding walls, I thought were good, but do something else with it. You know, we get for 2 <laughs> other than seconds make at the fall end. Down the stairs. Other than make people fall down the stairs. Yeah, it's like um what was the point? Cuz there's nothing the house- else You You push the house to the edge,
1: that's it, and it's about to break. (laughs) um,
0: And then, uh, and also, okay, I realise I... uh, No, good things, good things. Um, Uh, The um, police
2: officers in the first scene had nice hats.
0: I quite enjoyed their hats.
1: There's some
2: good car choices
1: as Mm. well, actually. They've got some good classic cars in this film.
0: Good stunt driver for that scene on the freeway. Yeah, Yeah, that Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay, back no to things CGI. we did. Back to things we didn't like. Actually, no, right. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Because there were two scenes of I don't know if you call them CGI, rear projection, or just shouldn't have done this. Yes. One was the pig, yeah, um, and the other was so he breaks through the wall oh, into the God. red room. Yes. And I mean, what was that?
1: He just sees his floating face. Was, like, why? And doesn't react. It was just like okay there's a terrible project. but this is what I don't get is the demon him and the demon embodies in, in him I, I, I don't so much though, yeah. is done for effect or shock in inverted commas and not actually explained yeah really oh annoying have I got anything interesting in my notes um, bless this mess I quite liked that oh, sign that in the kitchen yeah that was yeah. nice uh, fuck you random jump scare cat I liked. I liked how the
2: bar he went into was called the Witch's Brew. Oh,
1: the Witch's, yeah, the Witch's Brew. And then it ends up being something to do with Salem, but also something to do with burial grounds. Also something to do with the church. It's like pick a lane, pick your demon, and stick to it. Yeah. Is it got... possession or is it
0: witches? What is it? This 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 was a stretch, but I got that maybe the cat, the one jump scare, you know, a witch's familiar. Maybe you know. Yeah, otherwise, what was the it, point cool.
1: of it? cool but run with it like yeah. if that's your thing go for it but i'm not getting witches don't haunt things they i mean unless you're saying that a ton of witches were killed under the house and then the house was built on top of the witches and now the witches hate men and the church and children Could go with that yeah yeah and rocking chairs <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't oh know.
0: actually that's one thing now i don't know if this lines up in terms of years but Uh, That doll that she had, that's a Raggedy Ann doll, isn't it? And wasn't the original Annabelle was actually a Raggedy Ann doll?
1: Oh, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if... Who did the Conjuring films? Not James Wan. Um... um... Oh, no, it was James Wan. No, it is James Wan. James Wan, yeah, sorry. I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to shoehorn Amityville as a backdoor prequel to the Conjuring films.
0: But he did. It's in Conjuring 2. It starts uh, because the the couple... um... The what the what the, the, oh, Sorry they in, um they investigated. The, not the amateur. Warners,
1: the What are they called? The, oh that's gonna
0: bug me, but you're right with W, I the think ghost,
1: the Warrens, uh yeah. Elaine Warren, sorry, you're right. Yeah. They did investigate and they the did Amityville investigate amateur oceans.
0: Yeah. Um so obviously this film slash real events me ours um happened many years before the Conjuring Universe was ever dreamed of. But the fact that I knew the Warrens were at least connected in some way, yes. I wonder... No,
1: you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, there has got to be a link there. And it,
0: again, this is this is one of the failings
1: of the horror universe, isn't it? That I think it has to cling onto a name. And for some reason, Amityville is just synonymous with horror, isn't it? it is, mm. It's iconic. It's, it's the location for horror.
0: I think it's just easy to do... A haunted house story it's not easy to do it well but it's easy to do it and be, maybe because there's been so many sequels um i mm. think there's oh a, 11 or
1: i've got the list in front of me and we're going to do that next because there, there's some fun stuff to talk about
0: <laughs> okay um, well, right, well let me let me finish this one quickly then uh just one one real quick fun one so amityville um, nothing to do with the, the horror side of it but take out the ville leave Amity there and I love the fact that one of, one, no, one of the priests was the mayor of Amity Island in Jaws I turned around halfway through the film and I went you, you yell Satan and we got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July because he's one of the priests that's abusing Father Delaney saying you know, oh, I, that's... you're crazy oh that's it is yes Murray Hamilton yeah
1: well done bloody hell Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, if that's the best thing about the film, bravo. Yeah. So I was just going to say, the whole thing feels artificial because if, say you were just picking where your horror story is going to take place, Amityville, take out the ville and stick a cal on the front, Calamity, it almost oh, yeah. seems a little bit, that even itself seems premeditated. Like, this didn't happen in Springfield. And like mm-hmm. It's not the Washington horror. <laughs> it's... It's something that sounds a bit spooky. Um, right, Albert, you haven't talked in about 14 and a half minutes. <laughs> you really did not like this film, did you? I'm really sorry. No, but
2: that's okay. Not everything's going to be a winner, is it? Um, it's not always going to make your top ten. No, no. And to be fair, that's only happened once with The Exorcist. Um, really?
0: Texas Chainsaw? No, not one of your <laughs> uh, your go-to
2: movies. Nah. I I mean, I, I would watch Texas Chainsaw again before I'd have to watch this one, to be honest. Have yeah. to, yeah. Um, and
1: to be fair, it did it did get a good conversation out of the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't think I would recommend this to anyone. <laughs> At all. I really wouldn't.
1: Not in terms of classic horror. I mean, I kind of, I'm glad I've, I've ticked it off because yeah. you need to, I wouldn't want to slag it off without being thoroughly educated on it Mm. um but so somebody in the world or hollywood thinks we love this film because we've got the amityville horror 1979 amityville 2 the possession 1982 amityville 3d in 1983 um which is odd because it must have just been the red and blue glasses so that's cool um, Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes in 1989, The Amityville Curse in 1990, Amityville, It's About Time, I really hope there's time travel in this film, in 1992, oh my um, God. but there's no comma, so it's not, it's, a, no, I mean, that could be taken either way, it could be, it's about time you got here, or, it's about time. Um, so, Amityville, The Next Generation, 1993, of sorry, course. it was, it's, Amityville A New Generation, Um, Amityville Dollhouse in 1996, Um, the Amityville Horror 2005 remake, which I think is the Reynolds version, isn't it? That it it is, yeah. The Amityville Haunting in 2011, the Amityville Asylum in 2013, which has nothing to do with the Amityville house other than the name. That's it. So a lot of these films actually have nothing to do with the house. They've just literally pinched the name and chucked it onto the film. Um, The Amityville... You're still going... Still going, mate. Yep, so Amityville Asylum 2013. Amityville Death House in 2015. I'm halfway through the list. Um, The Amityville Playhouse in 2015 as well. So two films in 2015. Um, But I think they didn't get a wide release. They were just kind of indie films that got the Amityville thing put on them, Amityville No Escape 2016, Amityville Vanishing Point 2016, The Amityville Legacy 2016, The Amityville Terror 2016, Amityville Prison 2017, Amityville The Awakening 2017, The Amityville Murders 2018, and The Amityville Harvest, which was supposed to come out in 2020, but I don't believe it has. Fuck me running. What? Talk about milking the cow. I
2: also have the Amityville Dawn, Amityville Island, and Amityville Vibrator. (laughs) You're definitely taking
1: the piss. What? I didn't have that on my bingo card, sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because I've just been going down through the list as you've been talking about them. And yeah, those ones apparently exist as well. There you go. Uh, I
0: feel Amityville Vibrator may be a part of a different genre. It could um, be, could but be. But then again, any of the... Like... I mean, the the paragraph
1: just before the list of films, the people and events fictionalised in the Amity- Amityville horror have been subject to a number of films, in brackets, many of which had no connection other than a reference to Amityville. Basically, I drove through Amityville and then a haunting took place mm. in my next destination. Um, It's the four that came out in 2016 that I want to do a bit more research on because surely they just went straight to DVD... If even. Must, <laughs> some of them must have on. done.
0: Some of them is still sitting on somebody's little like mini cam somewhere. Going, like, oh no, board. yeah, it's a movie.
1: It doesn't even have an entry really on um, Oh IMDb. I mean, this is riveting for for anyone listening. But I just think it's it's like the the last house on the left, wrong turn stuff. Horror films lend themselves to a plethora of sequels. Um, people just chuck money at it and. Is it because generally they're quite low budget to make with high return? Yeah. Yeah. Am I being cynical? But yes, I think that's it, isn't it?
0: But that's it. I mean, because you don't... uh, Obviously, silly comparison, but when you take the Avengers films, which cost the GDP of a small European nation to make... You're not kidding. And then you have, you know, Amityville, The Terror Part 17, you know, Mama's Revenge, and it costs... I don't know, how much does a burrito cost these days? Uh, you know, seven. and yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you can churn them out. Um, yeah, you can you can chuck fifty thousand dollars at it and probably get a million back at the box office at least. And then you say, great, that was. These are these are the kind of films that you get the feeling that they're just always churning away in the background as a source of either just a cash stream. Coming in, they're money laundering. These films are money laundering. They That's what they are.
1: are. I mean, sorry, really quickly, let's the 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 Amityville site, asci- not asci- the, a site, the Amityville Vanishing Point storyline. The Amityville legend lives on when a resident of a local boarding house dies under mysterious circumstances. It's got nothing to do with the fucking house. It's a boarding house somewhere else. That's it. It doesn't. And then the tagline for it is, "A house is not a home." Great. Cool. when is a door not a door when
0: it's blown off its hinges better tagline <sighs> oh, yeah. and what the shit was that about so like because I got the impression like okay great something escaped from the basement fine and then hung around because why <laughs> because
1: fucking why not ah. oh some of the names in this film are brilliant uh, so we've got Moth Abacus Maud Abacus Antonia Abacus and then Bermuda <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I could do a deep dive on really Um, shit horror films.
0: Love to see their triangle. Anyway. Oh, could you not? Oh, please, that was better than the script for this film.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, again, it's a low bar you set yourself there, mate. Um, I won't tell what culture.
0: uh, Um, That's okay. Much like most of these films, this podcast will never see the light of day. Let's hope not. So um, let's
1: let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts, anything you'd like to get off your chest before we bury this film and the podcast?
2: Albert? Um... Like you say, I'm glad at least I have ticked it off the list. Um, but this time tomorrow, I won't remember anything about it. It'll be wiped from my memory. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: I've I've read the book that it's based on, but I mean, that that builds itself as a you know a documentary style. Oh, we did all this digging and there's interviews with. It's as nonsense as this film is. It's, um. No, I mean, it's it's a a tick-box film. So the biggest question I have is, how does it have the reputation that it has? Because it it was
1: made in the 70s, that's all it is. It's the first haunted house film, I suppose, uh, that, that is in the modern format. Uh, and the name the name has lived on so all of these sequels there was basically a Amityville film once every three years so I think the name has just lived on and it's created its own beast
0: yeah potentially yeah
1: and that's all Albert has to say about it as well to be honest (laughs) (laughs) it's shit (laughs) Um, sorry it's not shit it's effort went into making this film it is watchable it's just not entertaining dull It's not bad, it's it's just dull. You almost want it to be worse because you could laugh at it, but you can't. It's just a bit boring. Mm. Cool. So, finally, all three of us have managed to watch Upgrade, so we're going to do a little bit of review on it, because we bloody love this film. I know it came out a couple of years ago, but, oh my god, how good is it?
2: It's so good.
1: It's so original, isn't it? It is
2: really, really clever. Um, And, you know, another instance of a, um a bloom film just doing stuff on a small budget and smashing it out of the park um i thought it was absolutely yeah. genius i really did um budget of three million dollars i mean come on it's ridiculous and, I, it I, and the, exactly the production and the production quality on the film is insane like it's so good i was gonna say considering
0: how good it looks that's a really low budget
1: and sometimes that's the benefit of getting unknown actors as well, because it, it is an unknown cast essentially. Like it's n- there's yeah. no A-list names in it. Um, you could almost imagine Vin Diesel in the upgrade role, um, mm. and it would have been it wouldn't have been as good, I don't think.
0: Um, oh man, it's just so original, isn't it? It's so good. It's good like it's pastry. It's funny and it's also not funny in you know in equal measures. Uh, it's got great it's got action. A dark
1: sense of humour. Super dark.
2: And it's actually quite full on and gory, which considering yeah. I went into it thinking one thing actually it surprised me. It kind of had me both on the edge of my seat and a little bit terrified, so which Yeah, yeah. there's
1: a few scenes that I wasn't expecting. Yeah.
2: The <laughs> <One laughs> permanent smile we being one of them. Oh, that would be wild. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: <laughs> Hey, here's your gun bang. Um well it's the same guy who made Saw, Lee One L. What a surprise, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, actually. But it's it's kind of... It's as tastefully as you can do gore. It's tastefully done.
1: It, it is.
0: And you know what I...
1: what the, the scenes that I had to rewind and watch again and again were when the... What's the name of the computer? The AI? STEM. STEM. When STEM kicks in. I don't know how they did it, but the fighting it's almost like the daredevil fighting on the Netflix TV show when he's in the corridor you can see every single punch it's like watching a Jackie Chan film as well you can see every action there's no shaky cam it's just plonk the camera here and let some good choreography do the work and it is so satisfying to watch and the way they get his body to move is so unnatural Um, he's such a good physical So what's the name of the the main character sorry I I was hoping you guys would pull it up no, what's Ray. the actor's name? Want to give him oh, sorry, call.
0: Logan Marshall Green.
1: Well right done. Um, yeah, he's phenomenal as a physical actor. Like, the way he like, kind of. It's when he comes from like. Light. I know this is a bit of CGI and whatever, but goes from bolt lying down to then just standing upright. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And they're just kicking some ass.
2: He's also a dead ringer for Tom Hardy, easily. Tom
0: absolutely. Hardy, absolutely. I almost wanted Tom Hardy in this role after watching him do it. Well, you got Tom Hardy in this role because Venom is effectively the same film. <laughs> oh, you're not Except wrong. Except Upgrade is better. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. I actually really like Venom. but It's good, don't get me wrong, but Upgrade is a better film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it's got a similar kind of physicality to when Tom Hardy loses control of his body. Yeah. Um, it's just so satisfying to watch. And it, it, it goes from him being reluctant to letting STEM take over to letting STEM take over and then not having any choice, STEM is taking over. Yeah. Um the, the balls on the ending.
0: So. Uh, so ballsy. Did not. Uh, and I. And. Didn't see it coming. Nope. Proper. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I'm not disappointed by it
2: either. No, it was weirdly. Satisfying. It was a happy ending, <laughs> but at the same time, it really kind wasn't. Of
1: yeah, kind of. Who are we to question someone's reality? I'll be ha- quite happy on a holodeck, thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what I love about these films and a lot of Blumhouse films like this is this sort of near feature thing. Like this could be ten years time, mm. and the technology is going that way anyway. And I just love how they kind of, you know, mess around and subvert with the kind of stuff that's already established in the world. Um, so you know, it was very believable, and you know, it was the same with. Yeah, you know, The Purge and, and other films like that where it just feels like it actually could happen. Um, yeah. And that's what makes yeah. it there's all some more good, creepy.
1: There's some good touchstones, aren't there, where you yeah. can... The, the whole Siri house, essentially. Um, the self-driving car, you, the, whole...
2: the drones. Absolutely. You know, there's lots of stuff there that we feel familiar but are still far enough into the future to kind of... We're just on the cusp different. of it. Yeah. It's
1: the, the best near-future sci-fi films... Other ones that extrapolate from current technology and just take it a few steps further, so you can still hold on to it.
2: Yeah, because another one that springs to mind for me is like Ex Machina, which is that oh, similar, what a, like what a, which what a film. which I was lucky enough to work on, um, and that was incredible. <sighs> but it was you know, and the I next know, half an nice. hour will be
1: Albert talking about <laughs> Ex Machina. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I want to hear it all. Well,
2: good, good memories on that film. It was it was a great campaign, a great film. So. Yeah, but that that, I was, that idea of near-future stuff what, really appeals to me for... Because I'm a sci-fi fan, but also there's that kind of grounding in reality that's, you know makes it feel all the more real. I think it's quite important. Is
0: yeah, that kind any... of thing where, the like a, for want of a better word, analogue car makes as much sense in that world as the self-driving cars? You know, they both exist on the same road, and they both look like they belong there.
1: So the only problem is that when we get to proper self-driving cars they're not really going to work until everything is self-driving because as soon as the self-driving car drives into a human, it will absolutely be the human's fault but the self-driving car is going to get the flak, and they're the ones that are going to be turned down because you're not going to believe a computer over a human. So I, that's the bit that was a little bit unbelievable for me because I don't think we're going to get fully self-driving until everyone is on board and everyone's doing it. But it's, it's, still, yeah, it's still an awesome extrapolation from where we are today. Um, and I did get X Machina vibes from the film. I don't know why, because it's not the same story, but
2: it's... It's the production value, yeah, the aesthetic is yeah. very similar, yeah. 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 But really, really, really good watch. If if you're listening to this and haven't watched it, watch the film. You will love it.
1: Please, 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 please watch X Machina. It is a phenomenal film. It's so
2: good. I was also um, saying, watch Upgrade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Upgrade, sorry, I thought we were talking about... Ex Machina, all of
2: yeah, no, both brilliant
0: films. I just love the fact that we... Wait, watch wait, upgrade
1: I... Don't watch Amityville.
0: Uh, that's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> On this Amityville horror episode, we've given great reviews of Upgrade and Ex Machina.
1: Yeah, we absolutely have. Um, yeah. Passionately, passionately thumbs up about those. Um, <laughs> I wish I could get the last two hours of my life back for Amityville, but it's fine. It's an experience, it's all part of cinema. Um... Yeah. Oh, oh. I hope you've got a good one lined up for me for next the next episode. We, we do. We, we do have a good um, one next. Yeah, so right, it's not even next week. In a few days from now, we, we will be watching The Omen, which we'll bring to you the classic. Um, so I did kind of flamix a little bit last week, because um, I said we would be doing The Omen this week, but we're not. We're doing it next week. So you get my <laughs> mini Damien story next week as well, which isn't going to live up to the hype, much like the Amityville Horror. <laughs>
0: Well played.
1: Look at that. Um, I wanted to do a quick little shout out to Maurice and uh, sorry if it's Sarah or Sarah on uh, Twitter. Um, I had a really good chat with both of you guys um, about The Exorcist and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, Love it when you guys get talking to us on Twitter. Um, What I love is that you've gone and watched something that you haven't seen before based on us talking about it, which is, that's a massive tick. If that was the kind of mission statement of the podcast, it's go watch a film you haven't seen because we enjoyed it. Even if you didn't enjoy it. So yeah, love it. Keep talking to us on Twitter, guys. Um I think mean, that about wraps it up for this week. Um uh, big sigh.
0: <laughs> well it's done now. It's done. And we had a nice Albert. chat and we had a nice chat about it. So. yes. We, we did. had
1: a good conversation about upgrade next machina, so we can take that away from it. <laughs> <laughs> and the Titans. Yeah. Albert, where can we find you on Twitter? So
2: you can find me on Twitter at Albert Hogan.
1: Sean, you have books, and where can we find you on Twitter?
0: Um, I do have books. I have a book called Down to the Bridge, and I have a book called Shadows in the Stars, and they're both available on Amazon, so I hope you will check that out. Um, you could find me on Twitter at Sean Ferrick. Um, I also host two other podcasts called You're on Crackmate, and You Set the Tone for the ER fans in the audience. Awesome!
1: You'll find me at Galactic underscore Dove. Um, yeah, don't go watch Amityville <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thanks for listening guys And we will see you in a few days Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye Bye Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the movies I at least would love to hear your thoughts on the episode Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me You can find us on Twitter and Facebook At EnglishIrishGTM Email us at anenglishmanandanirishman At gmail.com and check out our website, www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com, where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter, at Galactic underscore Dave, and you'll find Sean, at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome, and we love you very much. <laughs> Sean, you're really, really quiet. Mm, I was just about to type it to you. How
0: about now? Nope, really, really quiet. Oh, fuck. There was something wrong with this mic. Is. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on with it, but there's something wrong with this mic.
1: I can I can hear you. I just don't know how that's going to affect your recording. Um, how about now? Better. Um, you don't always have to fuck her hard. Because <laughs> he
0: starts talking sometimes. about the. How about now? That's better. Better,
1: Closer? Warmer?
0: Um, okay.
1: Sometimes you gotta make some love. We like things that make things Mike go. just have to talk like this. <laughs> the, the irony. <laughs> when you're talking weird. about things breaking down, <laughs> and then you break a Unfortunately, Sean has stolen his equipment from a, a Bolian podcasting studio.
0: <laughs> yes. We now,
1: like things that make us speak.
0: Now, if it's... Any cancellation, it seems to be at least recording at a normal volume. Okay, that's cool. Um, so,
1: Sean's audio is now coming from inside him, as the mic has been ingested. Yeah.
0: Sounds good to me.
1: It's cool. This is all going to be post-credits stuff. Patreon only exclusive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I.e. <mean>, for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, my mom's going to sign up as well.
0: Any difference now?
1: <laughs> yeah, better. Better, better, better.
0: Hmm. Okay, I'm going to keep playing with this for a moment. Uh, That's
1: what she said. It'll fall off. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, you. Oh, my. Hang on.
0: Microphone. Microphone setup. I'm just going to see if I can literally affect how it... Am I still really quiet on your side, am I?
1: No, you're you're, okay. You're good. You're good now.
0: Um Make sure it's not doing something silly like, oh, hang on. Oh no, no, it is. It, it's it's the right mic. Um, hope you're enjoying all of this. Um. Till as
1: old as time, song as old as rhyme, Lee and the beast. I have had that in my head most of the weekend. So I'm walking around York, just going. <laughs> Mel looking at me like absolute crazy person. As long as Mel is
2: teaching you you are the you're all oh, right. Yeah.
1: Wait, it sounded really sinister from behind a mask as well because you can't quite tell <laughs>
2: where the sound is coming from.
1: <laughs> imagine, just imagine Bane singing Taylor's Order's <laughs> Time. Disney, Disney sing-along classics brought to you by Bane. Yeah. Oh man. What do you know about Lock? Because I'm amazed you haven't <laughs> seen Locke. Like that that's got to crack your top ten. That's the one where he's
2: in a car. This is Tom, people over Tom Hardy him, yeah? driving
1: in a car. Yeah, this is Tom Hardy on the M1 for 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, South Round. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, it's phenomenal. I think you'll really like it. Okay. Definitely. I don't know why, but it, I've got Whiplash vibes from it. Um, I think it's because it's really short, snappy, and I had to watch it twice. Okay. Just like bang to bang.
0: It's good. Fuck it, lads. If you can hear me, we might have to. We might well, now have to it's us. worse.
1: Whatever you did now, it's worse. I've literally done nothing. <laughs> good.
0: Oh, fuck. Doo, doo, yeah, doo, and doo, now doo. it's gone really quiet on Audacity. Oh, hang on. Why did that do that? Oh, no, that's better. Oh, hang that on. was good. What about now?
1: Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, a bit to no. the left. It's
0: good. Um, what about now? Yeah, good. What, riveting. What about now? Worse. Now?
1: Well, yeah, because you got closer to the model.
0: Uh, no, but... Uh, so, because it shouldn't affect it as much. That's why I'm right. playing with settings. So, <laughs> if I do Definitely. this and I go back here, how is it now?
1: Oh, that's perfect. That's fine. Yeah.
0: Okay, so... Now, it's weird because I'm just changing the setting on Audacity, which shouldn't change the setting on the mic, but it is changing the setting on the mic. It's good. Wait, is there...
1: (laughs) Sean getting used to his instruments.
0: You'd think after this much time, like, I'd be used to it, but yeah. Okay, well, there's no... I was just thinking for a second, is there such a thing as a fucking volume button on the mic that's being pushed or something? But there isn't, anyway.
1: Well it's cool because this we know that this is your like practice podcast so after this you should like set up your own podcast where you gotta go into movies and stuff you'll you'll find out all of the kinks by then
0: all right listen bitches the entire fucking reason okay potentially not so much albert whose career is in podcasts but the entire reason that ian you are doing podcasts is because you are stunning and you would have done it anyway how is can you hear me good save yep i can hear you great (laughs) deadly how does everybody feel about just control alling everything for the last 10 minutes and just starting over no,
1: I love it. This is going into the post credits. We're just going to oh, take it up from where we did Love It X. You're the it's one fine. editing. That works for me. Okay, okay, I'm editing this week. It's fine. <sighs> uh, they're going like, "Wow, the theme music has come in ten minutes early. This
2: is weird." <laughs> just have Beauty, the, right? Beauty and the Beast is the theme music this week. Get slapped by
0: a lawsuit by Disney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've managed to dodge. Who made The Exorcist? Warner Brothers. Paramount. Paramount. I believe the term Paramount? is shush. No, it's Fox. Fox. Anyway, they haven't Wait. they they will, sorry. Okay. Um right, lower deck. pack leads. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, so, so bless you. <laughs> Somebody made... Wow. <laughs> that's going in that's going in the outtakes.
0: <laughs> Gesundheit. My God. The oh, sneeze dear. that was heard around the world. <laughs>
1: Good. So what did you you could do? fry an egg on that
0: face right now.
1: <laughs> <sighs> wow! Well, I think even Sean's mic picked that one up. <laughs> Sad but true. Uh, okay, sorry. So you guys, thumbs up for the lower decks
0: finale. You liked it. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was brilliant.
1: Um. Right. So finally. All three of us have watched Upgrade. Now do you wanna do that now or do you wanna cover it next week?
0: <laughs> Another let's silence. Cover let's go co- let's cover it. Let's, let's go this minute. Let's, do it. It let's do it. Let's do it. Wait, what? Oh, okay. Oh, what did you say? I I, I I read the room wrong. Uh, okay, let's do it now. Wait, Albert, what did you wanna do?
1: It's right, I'll cut this out.
0: I'm right. I'm easy, I'm easy. <laughs> It's just the okay, two of you we... getting two different things from that was pretty. totally read that wrong. <laughs> 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 Who read what wrong? I was just like, I, I thought you were like, okay, yeah, let's do it in the next episode. I was like, yeah, let's do it in the next episode. You were like, you're like great, look, we'll do it now. It's like, uh, oh.
1: <laughs> so are we doing it next week or are we doing it now?
2: Well, you're running at, well, we're over an hour now, but we had kind of 10 minutes
0: of mic. Yeah, like seven minutes of that was so me playing with my mic, do, yeah. Let's just do, do it now. Do it now.
2: Okay, cool. Cool.